What up, movie lovers? Welcome back to the Movie Night Apologetics Podcast, and today I'm going to be covering one of my favorite Will Smith movies of all time, The Pursuit of Happiness, and I'm going to be discussing the question, can we actually obtain happiness, and do our dreams make us happy? And I'll be recommending two books to read to help you grasp what our joy and happiness should be in, and practical ways we find happiness and joy in our lives. I'm looking forward to the discussion, so with that, let's start the show. Whether it's comedy, action-adventure, drama, horror, and everything else in between, all movies at least have one thing in common. They all share a message with you. This is Movie Night Apologetics, where I, movie apologist Clark, review and examine movies and their messages from a Christian perspective. One man, a father of one, finds himself in a broken relationship with his son's mother, unable to pay rent from his unsuccessful business of selling portable bone density scanners. He and his son end up living on the streets, trying to get into a homeless shelter each night. During this time in Chris Gardner's life, he realizes he wants to be like the people coming out of the big, tall buildings who look so happy walking down the streets. He then realizes he wants to be an intern and become a stockbroker so that he can live a happy and fulfilled life and provide for his son. Will he be able to impress the upper-ups in an interview with a paint-stained t-shirt? And will he finally reach the happiness he has been longing for his whole life? So, like I said before, I absolutely 100% love, love, love narrated movies and especially when you get dynamic actors like will smith narrating and playing the movie in the movie and so i oh man i just for those two reasons right there bam this is just a sold winner so i want to talk a little bit about the movie so in this movie you have this guy who is struggling to make ends meet in the 1980s in san francisco and he's just walking by one of the big buildings in the city and he sees this nice red sports convertible pull up to the curb and he asks the guy like he gets out of the car and he says man i got two questions for you what do you do and what do i do to need to do what you're doing and the guy says, hey, I'm a stockbroker at Dean Withers. And he and he finds out with the conversation with this guy that all you have to do to be a stockbroker is you have to ha- be good with numbers and to be good with people. So, I, Which I think is awesome advice because I expected him when I first watched this to recommend college. Now, being in my early 30s, I think college is, I'm going to be honest, a little bit overrated. Um, and I, I say that with some nuances situation, obviously, because, you know, unless you're going for your degree in engineering, doctor, nurse, lawyer, all those kind of things, uh, I think for the most part, degrees are a little bit overrated. And this is someone that is, you know, I come from a position and experience in the sense that I got my degree in general studies and a minor in math, and it didn't really uh, propel me far in my career as I am still a low assembler on a job floor. I'm, so anyways, I'm just saying that 
college is a little bit overrated, but I guess if you get a degree in whatever, you still learn things and you still learn skill sets. But I'm just saying growing your and advancing in your career wise, I think most of the degrees don't really do that. I think there's a select few that do. So I really like that Chris Gardner, he didn't have to go to school, go into a bunch of debt, find a job. He was just able to apply for an internship, land an interview, get the internship, and then after the internship, he got the job because he was one of the best in the class. So now I realized a few weeks ago that I got on here and I talked about the radio movie and Coach Jones. And I said, hey, parents, you know, you should really spend a lot of time with your kids as much as you can and not focus on growing your career. And I still think that's true. But in Chris Gardner's case and his circumstance, he needed to get a job to provide for his son, something that would help them not end up in the homeless shelter or in a subway bathroom. So there are circumstances in our life where for a short time, your focus may need to be put on your career like Chris's. So I thought I would just come on here, mention that because there is a lot of nuance when it comes to these uh, different scenarios in life. And you can't just place a, a one stamp fits all kind of category and then not have there be any nuance to circumstances or situations regarding the context of someone's life. So I just wanted to discuss that, be mindful of that as we proceed forward. So now I want to talk about one of my favorite scenes uh, from the movie, which happened after Chris was painting his apartment and the police came. They went and knocked on the door because he didn't pay his parking tickets. And because of that, he had to wait at the police station to be released the next morning. The problem was, is that his interview was that morning at Dean Withers. And after he was released, he, I mean, I love that he's just like sprinting down the sidewalk in front of all these people. He's like a Usain Bolt, a homeless Usain Usain Bolt, kind of, if you will. And he got there, got to the interview. And a few minutes later, he walks into the office, into the interview, and sees three guys with their suits. And they were just stunned to see this guy painted, have clothes that were just paint-stained on him. He was wearing like a white tank top with a brown jacket, all just stained in white. And Chris knew that this looked really bad, so much so that he tried to come up with a story to help them to see that he was thinking of something inspirational for them. And he just couldn't do it. He just said what he said. He was honest with them. And after he was honest... They said, the one guy, the main guy there said, what would you say if a man walked in here with no shirt? And I hired him. What would you say? And I just honestly really appreciate the response to this intense question because Chris jokingly said, he must have had on some really nice pants. You know, he could have been offended by the question because he straight up told these guys, why he was dressed the way he was. He was honest about getting arrested for unpaid parking tickets, and he got that question that was basically, hey, bud, uh, do you really think we're going to hire you with your paint-stained clothes? And his response was just, hey, let it roll off the back and make a class act joke. 
And I guess it really is true. The guy that he met down with a nice, cool red car said that all you need to do to be a stockbroker is be good with numbers and good with people. And Chris definitely got the internship because of his people skills for sure. Now, I want to get on to a more centered to our topic today. And the most famous scene from this movie is where Chris and his son are playing basketball And as they're playing basketball, his son's really enjoying it. And Chris says to his boy, now, I don't want you playing that all day and night because it won't get you anywhere. Well, the son took that as just a big, huge blow and got sad and put the basketball back in his bag. And this really reminded me in my pre-teens, I went to this Christian school when I was in my early teens, and I remember... I wanted to be a professional basketball player, mainly because they made millions of dollars. I mean, like, honestly, come on, that's that's kind of a draw to be a professional basketball player. And I remember having this conversation with the substitute teacher and telling him that I didn't need school, that I was going to go play in the NBA, make millions of dollars, and no need, no need for education. Well, recess comes. It came. I'm out there shooting hoops. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be Michael Jordan here. And I'm going to shoot the ball up in the air. And it goes. And it misses the backboard. Okay, there's still a chance. It misses the rim. Okay, there's still a chance. It misses the net. It just completely air ball. And the teacher, he walked over to me as he saw my huge miss. He comes up and he says... And you want to be a basketball player, do you? And yeah, you know, basically it was him saying, hey, dude, you suck. Stick to school. And, you know, I, like if we're going to be totally honest here, I didn't do well at school either. But anyway, my dream of being a basketball star died because of this guy's comment. And you could see that when Chris made a similar comment to his son, he felt the regret because he was doing what seemed impossible And I love his humility just to look into that moment with his son and say, hey, don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Not even me. All right? You got a dream. You got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you you can't do it. If you want something, go get it. Period. And that is the central message of this movie, which is, you know, pursuing your dreams, it leads to happiness no matter what people say and no matter what the cost is. Follow your dream and you'll be happy. And because that's exactly what we see Chris doing. He's pursuing happiness. But the question I want to raise is this, is achieving our dreams in life, does that really make us happy? Is ultimate happiness found when we finally arrive at our dreams? That's up for discussion right after the commercial break. You guys want to know a secret? 
Just because I have a podcast out on the podcasting platforms doesn't mean people will find the show right away. I know it's crazy, but it's true. So in order for this podcast to reach people when they search for a new movie podcast to listen to, I need your help. I would love a five-star rating and review from you. This will help greatly reach people because my goal for the show is to help people, whether they are Christians or people from other religions or beliefs, understand the Christian worldview through the movies and their messages. So if you haven't already, please pause this right now and rate this five stars and leave a review. I would appreciate that so much, and that would just mean the world to me. Hope you guys are enjoying this episode, and now let's get back to the show. Can we, as human beings, attain happiness in this life? Or is it like what Chris Gardner said right after he found out that Linda was uh, leaving him and taking a son? He said this, It was right then that I started thinking about Thomas Jefferson on the Declaration of Independence and the part about our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I remember thinking, how did he know to put the pursuit part in there? That maybe happiness is something that we can only pursue and maybe we can actually never have it no matter what. And I just have to ask the honest question. When I'm watching these movies, I'm listening to the messages, I have to ask the statement, is that true? Can happiness never be obtained? I guess that depends on really how you define happiness and what it is. If obtaining happiness like the movie depicts, living your dream, then I guess that is how you define your happiness. But the problem is achieving our dreams often doesn't lead us to ultimate satisfying everlasting happiness. For example, let's consider for a moment two famous people that everyone knows One is the greatest quarterback of all time. We call him the GOAT, while the other was a highly successful actor. So Tom Brady, who's been at 10 Super Bowls, won seven of them. Six of those wins were at New England Patriots and the other from Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he spoke in an interview once after he got his like third Super Bowl ring and he said this, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. I think, God, is it's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't. All that is cracked up to be, I love playing football, I love being a quarterback for this team, but at the same time, I think there are a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. So here you have a man, he's reached the top of his career. Really, Hardly anyone's achieved three Super Bowls, and now, at his case, at this point in time, seven Super Bowls. So he's reached his dream, and yet there's still something more to be desired. There was still emptiness inside who he was. Why? He did exactly 
what our culture says to do. Follow your dreams, you'll be happy. He did it, he's not. Why? So let's look at the second guy. This guy is known for being hilarious on the big screen. His famous roles he played were Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, The Truman Show, and The Grinch. This guy is Jim Carrey, and he once said, I hope everybody could get rich and famous and will have everything they ever dreamed of. So they will know that this is not the answer. It's amazing to me to hear these two guys who have succeeded beyond measure in their careers and achieved their dreams only to find out that it's not that it's all cracked up to be. And it's really sad because so many people, including Christians and including myself at times, believe the lie that says, if I get this job, this nice house, this nice Corvette, this dog, this video game, whatever it is, this nice shiny thing, I will be happy and my life will be complete. I will be content. I will no longer be unsatisfied. And that is really the problem with the message of this movie. Don't get me wrong. I love this movie. I've seen it multiple times. But I think when people, when they watch this and they're not critically thinking about it, they'll look at this movie and see, ah, I just need to get to the top of my career to be satisfied. I just need to get my dream job and all I've reached the goal. All I've reached happiness. And that is totally false because happiness can't be achieved on the basis of circumstance or in material objects or dreams that can just seriously can come undone in a matter of moments. I mean, you think about Tom Brady and the countless of football players that their dream was to play in the NFL and then they get to college and they get through college and they get to the NFL and then they have a few plays, they get injured and their career is done in a matter of seconds. It's over. You get that nice house and it burns down. You get that job and the company goes under. Happiness can't be obtained by your circumstance, material objects, or dreams. Happiness, there's more to happiness than than what we see, what we know. Happiness can only be attained in the one who made us. True, everlasting happiness can only be found in Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. I learned this a long time ago back in college, right out around the time I was getting married to my wife when I was on the tender boats in Alaska. If you want to know a little bit more about what I was going through in, in that season of my life, you can go back to the Beautiful Mind episode that I had. But I bought, I brought these three books along with me. You know, the one was the Bible. Another book was a Max Licato book. And another one was John Piper's famous book, Desiring God. And in the back of that book, it, it reads it, the description reads, the pursuit of pleasure is not optional. It is essential. John Piper's ministry statement, and I love this, is God is most glorified 
in us when we are most satisfied in him. John Piper became a Christian hedonist, which means that the most important thing in life is to pursue is pleasure. So to be a Christian hedonist, we pursue God to be our ultimate pleasure and satisfaction. And so in college, he says this in his book, In the Desiring God, when I was in college, I had a vague persuasive notion that if I did something good because it would make me happy, I would ruin its goodness. I figured that the goodness of my moral action was lessened to the degree that I was motivated by a desire for my own pleasure. At the time, buying ice cream in the student center just for pleasure didn't bother me because the moral consequences of that action seemed so insignificant. But to be motivated by a desire for happiness or pleasure, when I volunteered for Christian service or went to church, that seemed selfish. This was a problem for me because I couldn't formulate an alternative motive that worked. I found in myself an overwhelming longing to be happy, a tremendously powerful impulse to seek pleasure, Yet at every point of moral decision, I said to myself that this impulse should have no influence. One of the most frustrating areas was that of worship and praise. My vague notion that the higher the activity, the lesser must be of self-interest in it caused me to think of worship almost solely in terms of duty. And that cuts the heart out of it. Then I was converted to Christian hedonism. In a matter of weeks, I came to see that it is unbiblical and arrogant to try and worship God for any other reason than the pleasure to be had in Him. Don't miss those last two words. In Him, not His gifts, but Him. Not ourselves, but Him. I absolutely love that insight by John Piper because we as human beings want to be happy. That's why so many people like Chris Gardner pursue dreams, pleasure, money, sex, etc. Because we believe those things will bring us happiness. And I just want to come on here and say wanting to be happy and experience joy is not an evil thing. Actually, we are designed to be happy and in joy. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand. Our pleasure is forevermore. Philippians 4.4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. He said this in a jail cell. Psalm 47.1, clap your hand, all you nations, shout to God with cries of joy. Romans 15.13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there are just so many other Bible verses on joy because God designed us and created us for the sole purpose to enjoy Him. The issue becomes, though, when we place our happiness and joy in anything other than God. I love C.S. Lewis' quote in his book, The Weight of Glory, where he says, We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink, drink, 
and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. That is a wild quote to think about because infinite joy and happiness is offered to us through the person and work of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. God designed us to delight in Him. And in our sinful, fallen states, we say, no to a holiday at the sea. And we go on making mud pies in a slum. I would encourage you to Google search the word joy in all the Bible and write down all the verses that have the word joy in them. I mean, it's kind of a big task I know I'm asking because the Bible has 430 verses of joy and read and it's just crazy. And read these verses, look at the context that surrounds them, and just be blown away by how much God wants us to enjoy Him with other believers. And I just want to also encourage you to check out that book, Desiring God by John Piper. It's a book that will change your perspective on joy and happiness in the Christian life. It's not a watered-down read. This book is just deep, and it will shape you and transform you to worship God as your ultimate treasure. If I mean, that is if you're willing to let it transform you, obviously. So, I'll leave a link in the description for you. It's about 350 pages of just deep biblical truth on how we should treasure and find joy in Christ. So that book is very theological. And so another book about joy is uh, that I want to recommend is one of Brent Hansen's new book called Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, Experiencing, Experiencing Real Joy in a World Gone Mad. And what I love about Brent Hansen is he really takes these big subjects and puts them in such a way that is easy to understand but also very practical for us to use. And one of the chapters in this is called Your Attention, Please. And he is talking about what we put our attention on shapes us and it molds us into either something beautiful or something ugly. He says, every single thing we think about changes us, perhaps in a beautiful way or in an ugly, distorted, damaging way. Leo, and I don't know how to pronounce this right, Leo Tolstoy, in his A Calendar for Wisdom, quoted Lucy Malloroy, every thought a person dwells upon, whether he expresses it or not, either damages or improves his life. My pastor at our church says, it's not a matter of if you're being discipled, but a matter of Who is discipling you? Are we allowing God to transform us by the Holy Spirit through his written word to become more like Christ so that we can find joy and happiness in him? Or will we let culture disciple us? Will we let social media and the news shape our minds? I mean, it it is something to think about. Like how often do you read about God's word 
like either read books on God's word or just read God's word versus being on TikTok, social media, the news. Where are you getting your worldview from? Where are you getting your joy from? Is it the news, social media, TikTok, Facebook, or is it the Bible, God's inspired word, and books about the Bible that talk about God's word? It's interesting, like how much time you're putting in to really wanting to know God. So there is so much more I want to say on this, but we have just so little time here. And I just want to say that in order to experience joy and happiness in life, there, there must be something that happens at the front of it. And that is you have to change your thinking. This is what Jesus called to be born again. Like you have to change your mind. You have to repent. And what is it? What that means is to recognize that you're morally bankrupt. You and I have both fallen short of God's standard of perfection. You know, there, you know, if you've lied, stolen, you know, the Ten Commandments kind of deal, which I am guilty of. We, we like we both we've fallen short of the glory of God, and the only way to be in a right relationship with him is by repenting this change of mind, this changing our thought and focusing on him. And we place our hope and faith in Christ Jesus for forgiving our sins and following him and his word and what it says. If you're not a Christian, that needs to happen first and foremost. Because I often think so many people want the benefits of Christianity. They want the joy but they don't want the obedience. They want the happiness, but they don't want to love God. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. So here you have it, love and then joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love and then joy. Joy is an after effect to coming to Christ. I mean, you know, like, yeah, you can have joy in the process of coming to Christ, but what I'm saying is, is you have to know that God loves you first. See like, wow, okay, I'm morally bankrupt, but I still see that God loves me and he gave his life for me. I'm going to, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to like change my mind and follow him. Okay. And then by following him, you get joy. A lot of people miss that. They think, oh, I just want to go to Christianity because it'll make me happy. And then they don't follow Christ. And then it's, there's no joy. There's no peace. Well, they're not in obedience to him. They're still in rebellion to him. So I just wanted to make that really clear because so many people just get those two flip flop. No, we need to understand God's love for us. And then we need to change our minds and love God back. And then we experience joy, Him being our joy in life. We experience Him in a totally new, profound way. And so second, as a practical thing, dive into God's beautiful word even, I, I tell you, even if it's just 15 minutes a day, you may think that you don't have time, but let's just be real. Like I said, all of us have time for stuff that matters. You got TikTok, Facebook, news, 
Netflix series, all that, you probably can make time to allow God to speak to you for 15 minutes a day and ask him and invite him to show you who he is in the word. You know, what I like to do is I like to read on my lunch break um, and go through the passage we are studying in, in my men's Bible study. And, and so that's, that, you know, that's what I do I, every day. Maybe not every day, but, you know, most days I try to have that time with God and his word on my lunch. And then, like, yeah, again, just read and pray to God about it and ask him what he wants you to learn and grow in. For me, I'm making a practice while I'm driving and work in the morning to have a conversation with God. It's not the whole time. Maybe some time of it is reflective, but I'm just asking him to guide and direct me and to help me to be a witness for people as I interact with that work and to help me come home and be present with my wife and kids and help them out with whatever they need. I mean, I I, I really think like, you know, we make... We overcomplicate things with the Bible and prayer. It doesn't need to be a four-hour Bible study every day and a two-hour prayer session. It's walking with Jesus along. And you're in your car, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're a mother in a car with kids and they're irritating you. Ask God, like, hey, God, help me. Like, I want to love my kids as you love them. Or you're at work and a coworker upsets you, offends you. God, help me to love them. Help me just to serve them. It doesn't need to be this big, long, drawn-out prayer. And it doesn't need to be this big Bible study. A few minutes a day, pray along the way. Ask God to be the joy of your life. Real joy doesn't come from following your dreams. It really doesn't. It comes from following Christ. It comes from having a relationship with Christ. It comes from surrendering your life to Christ. I've I've just found this to be so true the older and older I get. And it's just a beautiful thing. And like the beautiful thing is, is you just be anywhere at any stage in life and any circumstance one of my favorite scriptures uh, is in Philippians, and Paul says this, while in a jail cell, believe it or not, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Wherever you are, you can find contentment in life and find joy and happiness in Christ if you know his love and if you're loving him back by following him and his and what he said in his word. But the thing is, is are you willing to do that? Are you willing to surrender and follow him? So that's all I had today. Thank you guys so much for listening to this show. Please rate and review And please share this episode um, or this podcast with a friend. I think so many people uh, like uh, will listen more if they get it shared to by a friend. And I just want to say 
thank you to my wife, Bethany, and my friend, Emmy, for helping me make this podcast better for our listeners. So anyways, like my friend Blaine always says, don't party too hard without me. What? Catch you guys later. Whether it's at home or at the movie theaters, Movie Night Apologetics exists to help you, the listener, know the Christian worldview through the movie's messages. I am movie apologist Clark, and this is Movie Night Apologetics Podcast.